0: Okay, would you mind, we we just got to talking naturally, um, but you were telling me about how the podcast has actually helped you with a a few things, and I'm just curious to hear how how and why.
1: Yes, absolutely. So um, I was approached by a parent during first year sort of drop-off and orientation, and the parent... uh, saw my name, and said, are you the one that did the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, why, yes. (laughs) And she said, you know, I heard that podcast, and it really made me feel excited about um, my daughter coming to Sarah Lawrence. That's awesome. So that was super cool. It wouldn't surprise
0: me if the person you
1: talked to also wrote us our first review,
0: because our, our first review echoes that exact same sentiment, um, which feels like so good. Um, yes. So, like, I'm very pleased to hear that, that the podcast is actually helping uh, or is, like, a, a positive in people's lives.
1: Absolutely. I, I completely agree. And, you know, if if it helps people understand who we are, what we do, what we offer... That's what it's all about, and kudos to you for making that happen. Oh, Thank you very much.
0: Right now the 3D printer is printing a griffin in the background here, so I just realized you're going to be able to hear that, (laughs) but knowing that it's the 3D printer, I hope it adds ambiance to this listening experience rather than annoyance, but I've got to keep it going, and this is a busy working area I'm discovering Uh, Okay, so for the Sarah Lawrence Library, I'm Tim Kale, and this is the Sarah Lawrence Library Podcast. For today's episode, we're joined by Rochelle Rumpf, Associate Dean and Director of the Learning Commons and all-around lovely person. Before we go any further, I'd like to encourage you to give the podcast a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Those reviews are essential in us climbing the podcast ranks and finding our audience. You can connect with us on social media at SLC Library on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. There is a new YouTube video where Mustafa Zakaria describes what inspired him to create the awesome Halloween decorations that he created for the in month of October. So go ahead and watch that video, it's on our YouTube channel. Also, remember to visit the library website where you can check your library account, reserve a study room, or book a consultation with one of our research librarians. Thank you once again, dear listener, for sharing your time with us. We greatly appreciate it. Now it's time to get into this episode.
1: How is the Learning Commons
0: doing? It's
1: doing well. Great. So uh, last year, you know, we, we tabulated all of our visits and we did end up having over 400 unique visits last year of students engaging with uh, the various resources. And that was uh, with particular emphasis on our peer tutoring and writing mentoring. Um, We also offered a bunch of workshops, and I think, you know, in total, we had upwards of 100 students attending those workshops. Oh, wow. And then this year, I'm noticing even a a slight uptick in our workshop attendance, which has been great. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I'd like to still see it go up further, um, but that's been really nice. Our peer tutoring is humming along. Uh, thanks so much to Melinda Cohen and our wonderful undergraduate peer tutors. Um, our writing center director, uh, Carol Zareff, reported that her observation is that more students this fall as opposed to uh, last fall are signing up for writing mentorship and writing support. So that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And now we are exploring ways to bring students into the learning commons in more informal settings. You mentioned this
0: in our previous conversation. So how Mm -hmm. is that going?
1: So we, we tried a couple things this fall, uh, called um, Conference Project Brainstorm. Yeah, And we the we sort of thematically organized it around the academic areas. And so we uh, organized it by the humanities and the social sciences. Um, I think I would tweak that a little going forward. That didn't get great attendance. And I, I have a feeling students may have not completely understood what it was we did end up having really good conversations with the students that did attend. And really the goal was to, instead of having a very kind of formal program, give students an opportunity to come by, talk about conference work ideas, and then myself and um, if if other kind of faculty or staff uh, were joining us, would then help these students think through those ideas a little bit more offer suggestions, and also make sure that uh, they were encouraged to talk to their faculty, of course, about some of these ideas if if they hadn't done so already. Mm -hmm. And um, what was really neat, actually, is for the humanities piece, uh, our digital humanities um, staff person who is... Claudia. Claudia. Claudia, Claudia Berger, yes. Claudia was phenomenal. Oh, that's great. Yes, and so the two of us together we really, I think, able to engage with these students and and help them think through their ideas That's right um, so it was wonderful it was a, it was a lot of fun i I think that probably what I would do um going forward is maybe first just provide informal opportunities for students to gather, just mm-hmm. to simply gather and come to the space um I still would like to see more students in the space. So you know, with uh, we're we're quickly coming up on Thanksgiving, and mm-hmm. then, you know, um, and then it really the the rubber really hits the road. So I'd love to just offer study break opportunities, you know, in december and and even starting after Thanksgiving break. You know, you can come by and get some snacks and just be in a relaxed setting. Um, hopefully, with some other students, just to kind of chill out and mm-hmm. um, have have a mental study break. So um, I'm I'm working on, ironically, deprogramming programming. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's great. Yeah. Um,
0: so So you you answered a little bit of what my next question is, but I think there's still room. What is the future of the Learning Commons? Mm.
1: So. I would like to continue to understand how the Learning Commons can be viewed as a student space and a space that offers both formal and informal opportunities for academic support, but also it's another community building resource as well. And, you know, and, and in terms of the academic support piece, in some ways that's easier, right? Because it's very sort of um, uh, cut and dry in terms of, okay, we know we need math and science tutoring. Um, you know, we, we're offering language tutoring now. Uh, we're offering, offering writing mentorship. Um, it's, it's kind of clear, like, these are areas of need in terms of additional support. Um, But then in terms of thinking about this larger question of being a community building space, a welcoming space, um, you know, being that it's in a former cafe, it's a little bit of an odd looking space, although it's also welcoming. But, you know, also giving it that welcoming feeling. Um, So thinking about those questions a little bit more, Mm -hmm. I actually attended a student Senate meeting the other night. And they really gave some really good feedback about that, and you know, um, talked about how they're they're looking for spaces and opportunities where they can kind of decompress a little bit. So even though it is the Learning Commons, also offering it as a space where um, they can they can kind of just take a breath and recharge a little bit, and. Um, and then get back to their studies.
0: Well, you talked about how this education needs to be holistic. Yes. And if you really take that to heart as a philosophy, baked into that has to be the opportunity for rest. Yes. And restoration uh, and self-care. Yes. So it's it, And it seems like the learning commons as a concept is a perfect place for all those things to happen.
1: Yes. And, you know, that uh, recently w- we offered a mindfulness workshop and that was well attended. And I know that's something we talked about in our last meeting. And I absolutely want to continue to take that holistic approach. And um, in addition to partnering with health and wellness and career services, you know, what are other who are other individuals or um, groups on campus that Uh, we can bring in that focus on wellness in different ways Mm -hmm. Um, and also maybe maybe focus on uh, you know nurturing creativity Mm -hmm. Um, so absolutely I want to that's the kind of path that I want to continue to go down and by the way the students did also talk about that as well and I, I got the sense from some of the student feedback that you know there is a feeling of overwhelmedness (laughs) (laughs) overwhelmedness <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, um, and it, and also I think students want to remind us, you know, teachers, administrators, staff, um, they're still going through it with the pandemic in all sorts of ways. Mm. So whenever we can be attentive to that in our programming and in, in our outreach, um, I think is really important. And, and I'm, I was glad to be reminded of that. That's great.
0: So could you tell me about a time when mindfulness really helped you? What was the problem and how did mindfulness help you overcome it?
1: Hmm, Tim. <laughs> I don't have time for fluffy questions. <laughs> I see that. You're just going straight for <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um I will I will talk about being a mother and parenting and how I constantly am we talked about ruminating. I'm, I'm, I'm often ruminating about a parenting move I made, mm. and was that the right move? Mm-hmm. Um, am I going to scar them for life? Mm-hmm. And so I can't think of a specific moment right now, but I will say, um, w- in general, I have used mindfulness to be less reactive in moments with my kids and more. Um, purposeful and present but also compassionate with myself because uh, the, w- in those moments when I don't feel like I really did my best work as a parent or I, I responded to them in a way that I would have liked um, mindfulness has come into play to both think through what I would do differently next time and also, um, but then also, kind of give myself a break. And most recently, you know, I I thought about, okay, I'm having interactions lately that's making me realize I need a little bit of a reset. And I had kind of fallen off some of my mindfulness techniques, which are. Um, sometimes a lot of times it's really just like paying attention to the breath and mm-hmm. doing like breath exercises but sometimes it's um affirmations or or um kind of meditating on a certain um idea or notion that that helps me to refresh and reset and i you know i was kind of realizing a pattern where I needed to get back to that. And so you,
0: you kind of get on this track of thought that kind <clears throat> of gains its own momentum and feeds on itself. Yes. And it's destructive. Yes. And you need the mindfulness to interrupt that process. Yes. Yeah. Well said. But Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. Though. Um, I'm sure many people can relate. Um, so the last time you said you liked the age of your kids Yes, um, which, and I might be wrong, but I believe is fourteen and thirteen
1: close okay. so <laughs> <laughs> my daughter is actually turning fifteen shortly, okay, around the corner, and my son is twelve. Your son is twelve. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay mm-hmm. um, so, what do you like about those ages? What I like about those ages is we can have conversations mm-hmm. and we can have conversations in a little bit more in-depth way about politics or about, um, you know, things that they're seeing on the news or on social media that are just ridiculous or or outrageous.
0: What what do they think
1: when they see
0: the political scene today? Like, what is their reaction to it? Do you mind me asking that question? No,
1: not at all, not at all. Um, You know, because, so what's really interesting is that I think that they're at their ages. There is more of an awareness in general uh, of the political landscape. Now, you know, I still think that they're that they're getting some of this from sound bites, and you know, um, again, we talked about TikTok last time. You know, yes. TikTok <laughs> videos and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, because in some ways because they're getting saturated with information they are able to notice patterns mm-hmm. around um, political ideologies or and notice that okay um, Democrats tend to think about this and talk about these issues and Republicans tend to think about this and you know they're they're aware of those patterns of thought and implications in a way that again at their ages I just really wasn't I had some of that awareness, but I think it's um, sharper with them and uh, I don't know, more more kind of significant Um, so we can have those, you know, table conversations. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, you know, with my daughter, you know, there's that stereotype of the, the teenage moodiness. Yeah. And, you know, at least... As she's getting older, if if she is um, grumpy or you know short with one of us, um, she's able to at least recognize that mm. if you know if it's a little bit ridiculous of of a response or you know if it's something that. Um, Normally, she, she wouldn't react like that, but, but this is what she's going through right now. She can kind of stop herself in the moment or at least be humorous about it afterwards. Okay. So <laughs> that's, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's a good skill to have.
0: Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a long, rambly thought. Okay, uh, All right. I'm ready. But uh, I hopefully it'll make sense in the end. So at the Learning Commons, you teach time management workshops, right? Okay. Yes. Relatively, relatively recently, I've had become very thoughtful a, with how I spend my time at work because I now regularly have meetings and projects with deadlines or self-imposed deadlines. Like one, for example, is I want to do a, put the, this podcast weekly. Uh, mm. f- for the whole semester that's I think that 's great what i 've given myself to do, so I want to have a new episode every every Friday for the entire semester so far i have gotten i 've accomplished this um, but it is i i 'm feeling i 'm feeling it you mm-hmm. know what i mean like i 'm mm-hmm. feeling the grind up a little bit um, going along with this increased awareness of preciousness of time has come an increased anxiety mm hmm uh, that I'm just not going to be able to get everything done, or that I'm not, or that I'm going to double book something. That's like a little panic that I have, um, or not get something done. On top of that, I've become more frustrated <laughs> with what I'd call busy work mm-hmm. or what I consider to be time wasting activities mm-hmm. because they're cutting into my more important projects, mm-hmm. and th- then I feel guilty because I'm like, well, the more important projects. Are things I just happen to like more too. Mm -hmm. So if I put more time to that, people are going to think that I'm not doing my job. All these are thoughts that go through my head. So I don't have a question, Mm -hmm. I just need you to help me.
1: I had a feeling that's where this was going. Yes. <laughs> um, so, and it's no pressure.
0: Yeah. It's okay if you can't. Like, uh, but I am very curious to hear. Is that everything I've just said? You sound. You seem like you understood, and you've like you've heard it before.
1: Absolutely. Um, I'm definitely hearing from students. You know, a, a, a sense that they are very busy, that there's a lot on their plate, and that they really don't feel like they have enough time. That There's not enough time. And the more and more that I talk to students about time management, the more that I realize that a lot of what I need to do is help students have a different relationship to time, help students have a different relationship to how they think about time in their lives. And I'm actually glad that you are delineating what is valuable to you as a staff person in in the work that you do and what is less meaningful Mm -hmm. and i actually think that's a good thing i understand the frustration you know part of it too is 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 being more creative are there ways that some of that busy work can maybe be accomplished in ways that you're not thinking about you know for me I realize that I'm not asking enough for help sometimes from others, from other colleagues that if I were to, um, you know uh, invite them to help me with certain things that um, that it's that it's appropriate for me to do so, um, nine times out of ten, it's a yes. And when colleagues, you know, do the same, uh, with me, um, nine times out of 10, it's it's going to be a yes, you know, on the other end. So we, we help each other out. And I think sometimes we forget that um, there are others here. We don't work in a vacuum. We can help each other, you know, and there may be times in your schedule where it is a little bit more quiet and you can help that person on that project. And there's other times when it's busier. But in terms of that, getting back to that issue of, a different relationship to your time, I do think it's shifting the mindset to understand that there is enough time, um, especially when you are prioritizing the, the projects and the things that are important. And also what I, what I tell students, and maybe this applies to you as well, is that sometimes the feeling of, of overwhelm can also be related to um having some some projects and things on the docket but maybe you need to drill down a little bit more and have a game plan of of how you're going to complete those projects mm-hmm. or um carving out like 1 hour of busy work time mm-hmm. where you know you carve out that time to to deal with that busy work mm-hmm. so that it doesn't kind of hang around above your head and feel like this anxiety-producing thing. That's uh, that's very interesting,
0: because I can tell you something about my job. I may cut this. I may not. <laughs> <laughs> my job is evolving. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's becoming more creative, and it's using my creativity more and more, and things like this podcast are an example of that, mm-hmm. and I love doing those things, mm-hmm. and I do think there is value. I do, do think I can contribute value to the actual college and the community and the institution Mm -hmm. it's not just tim likes to do x Mm -hmm. you know tim also just will do his job whatever his job is Mm -hmm. um so i've been here for like coming up on eight years oh wow in february it'll be eight years and so i hope that earns me a certain amount of credit but um, i think so the 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 feeling is the the job is fluid where Mm -hmm. i will get requests for things randomly throughout the course of the day and then i have to kind of stop what i'm doing and then go take care of that Mm -hmm. it's a little bit chaotic like that yes so my and some of it is resultant from me still having... I, I started as an administrative assistant. Mm-hmm. So I still kind of have the tendrils of that position on me, mm-hmm. even though I'm not technically that anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do I figure out th- what's best? And where who takes on this work if I give it up? Because mm-hmm. there, there isn't anybody. So I, I don't know if what I'm saying is making any sense, but it's, it's like this whole thing where I'm reframing the way I look at my job and all, going along with that... Is this new time management, which I've never done before?
1: Yes. Well, you know, if you if you can break down some of that administrative work, you know, more concretely and look at it from a different perspective of okay, is there actually? And and I don't know if um, you know there are, for example, um, student workers that that you'd like to actually give them a little bit more responsibility. And I'm not saying the answer is, oh, just pawn it off on student mm-hmm. workers. Mm-hmm. But for example, in the learning commons, I have wonderful space managers and um, sometimes they remind me of things that I should have you know done in relation to like organizing their work or, or organizing an aspect of the learning commons. And it's a reminder of like, oh yeah, these are incredibly competent folks who are also they want to you know step up and so I, I think at a place like sarah lawrence where to be honest you know it is um it is a it, it is a challenge in terms of resources so we're all asked to do a lot i think we all have to be creative mm-hmm. about how we get this work done mm-hmm. um and and maybe looking at different tasks outside the box or differently, and also as a staff, perhaps thinking about is there any technology that can help us um, with some of this busy work or administrative work that makes our lives easier? Mm-hmm. And maybe not, but I know um, in the dean of studies office uh, that that has been helpful um, in thinking about at least with some things um, little technology, um, enhancements that, that do save time. So it's, it's a combination of, of, of approaches, but I want to emphasize more than anything else that I do think you should continue to prioritize the, the tasks and the responsibilities that both enrich this community and give you joy i mean that's like that's a double whammy yeah, you, can't, that's you can't go
0: wrong i know that's mm-hmm. kind of like a dream job mm-hmm. and um and it's like i'm st- also i'm still a little suspicious because <laughs> i'm doing a podcast now with rochelle mm-hmm. and it's a good time mm-hmm. and is this allowed <laughs> but, but the reality is i think i can imagine a student listening to this or a parent listening to this and feeling more connected as a result of it, mm. and a mm-hmm. human face being put mm-hmm. on administrators is, I think, a great thing.
1: Well, isn't it the case that when you're doing something that also brings that brings you joy, um, you know that that is evident, and that I think can only be a benefit mm-hmm. for for others. Because let's face it, I mean, we're, we're all doing work at this institution with students in mind and families in mind and our colleagues in mind. I find um, my colleagues here to be some of the most thoughtful, you know, outward facing, hard hardest working colleagues because we've had to learn how to sometimes, you know, do more with less. Mm-hmm. And that has caused us to lean on one another Um, and to, and we understand, we get that we're, we're all doing a lot, but, um, when we're also doing those things that are intentional and with joy and feel creative, I think that benefits everybody because it comes through, Mm -hmm. you know, so, so it's a good thing. Yeah. Well, um, that makes me feel better about my job. (laughs) Um, Director of podcasting.
0: (laughs) Um, So could you talk a little bit about, no, I don't need to ask that. You've already covered it. One of the things you said in our last podcast was that students should give themselves a chance to succeed Mm -hmm. uh, with regard to time management. Mm -hmm. Like you give yourself that chance to succeed by giving yourself X amount of hours to do X amount of tasks or whatever that may be. Uh, What
1: does success look like for a student? That's a great, great question. I think it's going to be different for different students. And... You know, I'm really glad you asked that, actually, because um, my my brilliant colleague, Beverly Fox, you know, sh- she sometimes likes to push further on that question of success as well. And what I would what I would clarify is that I mean, in that instance, I'm talking about engagement with your academic work mm. in a way that is meaningful and joyful mm-hmm. to you, um, dare I say joyful. When I meet with students that are struggling academically, the thing that makes me um, you know, makes me really want to help them more more than anything else is I want students to have that experience of of feeling... Um, joy and excitement about their academic work and really engaging with it. Because when I see those Sarah Lawrence students, um, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to behold. And I've seen it as an administrator. I've seen it as a faculty member. I think I may have mentioned this last time, but you know, really my most profound teaching experiences have been at Sarah Lawrence. And I've you know, I've taught elsewhere, and I think it's because it does tend to attract uh, students that 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 are passionate about their intellectual and and academic interests. And but but sometimes the passion can be there, but there are other things that are impeding upon the, a student's ability to engage. Mm-hmm. And so, time management is a tool that can enable that engagement so that's that's the that's how I would approach that okay
0: so we've talked about success just then let's talk about failure Mm -hmm. so we're so focused on success that we sometimes misinterpret the value of failure Mm -hmm. we see failure as the end of something rather than the beginning rather than an experience that gives us insight Uh, could you speak to
1: the importance of failure such a good question Uh, So one example I can give, actually, is, you know, sometimes I'll have conversations with students about group projects, like group conference projects or um, group uh, projects in general. And the group projects don't always go well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Inevitably, I shouldn't say inevitably, but often there's one student that, maybe is being perceived by others as not putting in the same amount of work or the students can't agree on this side or the other and the project kind of falls apart (laughs) (laughs) and um and sometimes i'll have a student you know involved in that who will you know be frustrated and and especially because they may have put in more work, mm-hmm. and um, the project just didn't go as they would have hoped. And for me, that's a really great example of of a learning opportunity because then it's a then it's an opportunity for me to say, okay, what happened here in those interactions? That if you could possibly do it differently, might you organize the group differently? Um, might you have different kinds of conversations? You know, because as we all know, while there is a lot of kind of like one-on-one work here and individualized work um, in in professional settings or even in creative environments, uh, group work and collaboration are really important. Yeah. And so if it doesn't initially work out, um, that's frustrating, but it's also an opportunity to think about um, were there things or were there interactions or were there structures that could have been put in place to make that a, a more successful situation? Mm-hmm. Um, so failure d- within the academic context, I think, is quite common. Um, if it's not group work, it could be a class that you thought was going to be your favorite class this semester. And you were really excited about it. And now, you know, you, you dread going to that class where it's just really not what you thought at all. And it's frustrating and it's disappointing. But it's also an opportunity to think about, so what made you think initially that this was going to be the class? Mm-hmm. And um, and then why isn't it the class? And examining that gap. Because mm-hmm. then you can make a more informed decision next time. Mm-hmm. And so I think the, you know, the... Um, The thread through here is that failure is absolutely an opportunity to um, think about how you might do it differently next time and what you can learn from this. It's also incredibly scary. And I think for uh, younger generations there's a real pressure not to fail Mm -hmm. or not to make it appear like you failed. The (laughs) appearance of failure is really Mm anxiety-producing for folks. Mm -hmm. And um, that is so hard to to see because, um, my God, none of us are perfect. And that's where I come back to the mindfulness and compassion Mm -hmm. and being compassionate with yourself because um, failure sometimes brings the greatest lessons, the biggest opportunities to learn and to grow. And that's just how it is. Failure is, is, a, is a huge teaching tool of the human race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just, that is, that is the reality. Yeah.
0: Well, to that point, I recently taught my first class. <gasps> you did. Yes, on 3D printing and uh, i prepared for this uh, extensively i imagined like almost everything i was going to say thought it was going to go great from my point of view i did terribly <laughs> from my point of view i could feel myself failing in real time and in I, what way it was it was like my words were collapsing in on themselves mm-hmm. like i could just feel the confidence draining from my body and i Mm -hmm. joked with my wife there's nothing scarier than the blank stare of a sarah lawrence student (laughs) 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 and i just became very fixated on i I, the way my mind works i just became very fixated on like this person's expression or that person's expression and i i had this in mind this thing i was going to say about 3d printing where I wanted to tell a story about how the it started that it, at first was just a box it was a box full of wires and knobs and to describe the anxiety that caused me but then to show how it transformed into this thing you now see, which is making something. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to like tell that story in that arc and have that be my through line. I burned through that story in like five minutes. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to take me 20 minutes. Mm. Burned through it in like five minutes, and then I was like, uh, and then I just like spitballed. I basically improvised. Mm-hmm. Um but it it didn't, and uh, people told me who were there told me it was fine mm-hmm. um, for me internally it wasn 't fine mm-hmm. and i want to, I want to do it again because I want to get it right yes um and even if it 's only right to me mm-hmm. I, I think that 'll still be felt more like I was just i knew I know I was too nervous, basically mm-hmm. um and it was the first time i'd ever done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always imagined myself as a professor when I was in college and, like, really always wanted that. So I, you know, I, I, th- I just thought I could wing it, basically. Mm-hmm. And I needed more preparation, essentially, is mm-hmm. what I think I could kind of come down on the side of.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and so look at that. Like, now you, that's a great lesson. Yeah. You know, you need the preparation. And next time, you're going to nail it.
0: Yes. What would you say is your passion project right now?
1: Uh, my passion project, I would say my passion project, again, going, well, it's, it's, I think it's connected. It's, um, it's really more about the populations of students that I want to help, again, I'm, I don't want to use the word succeed, but mm-hmm. I want to support um, more so, and it's both... Students that are doing really well academically and figuring out, um, and this is all, this is kind of more of a dean of studies thing, um, and us figuring out in in dean of studies, how can we showcase and work more with our academically strong students? Um, it's it's such a blast working with those students, and also and just talking to students about. Their, their conference work, their academic projects, their, you know, goals and dreams related to that. So um, fostering more opportunities for those students to shine. Mm-hmm. And then also for the, for the students that are um, having challenges, engaging academically, um, you know, figuring out, again, both between Dean of Studies and Learning Commons, um, how do we continue to um, create points of outreach and opportunity. Um, so, you know, and, and, and maybe in some ways these two kinds of populations um, informs when we're, when we're thinking about both of these populations, it informs our work, I think, in, in better ways. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I would say that, that those are the kinds of things that I'm thinking about and I know that my colleagues are thinking about. Okay, that's great. What about you? passion projects for me. Mm -hmm. I would
0: like to get the president on the podcast. Oh, that's a great one. I feel like that would be really good. Mm -hmm. I've never Mm -hmm. actually like had a conversation with crystal. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that would be good. Um, I mean, I have projects in my personal life. Um, Like I've, uh, I've, I've filmed and edited a feature length film. Wow. Now I did it over the course of like a couple weeks it's just about me and my wife and our marriage, and it sort of like bends the line between documentary and and film narrative. And I, I'm just work. I worked on that for like two straight weeks, and now I'm taking a break from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I restart. So I have a podcast about professional wrestling. Oh my goodness! Um, do you know pro wrestling? Does your do your kids like it at all?
1: I think. <laughs> I think the wrestling that my son was into was not. It was like it was amateur. It was the you know like the the not real. Yeah. That looks real wrestling. Yeah, that's pro wrestling. Oh, that's pro wrestling. Yeah, that's okay. Pro wrestling.
0: Yeah, yeah. <gasps> um, so I have a podcast about that called The Work of Wrestling. I've had, I've, I've had it ever since I've actually been at this job. Um, so that's kind of like my ongoing passion project. That's um, phenomenal. I just have a, I have a desire to, I, I like the the interest in it kind of wane. It ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm in a I'm in a flow. I'm on an uh, updraft with it, so I'm just sort of riding it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've got a bunch of those little projects going on here at work. It's it's YouTube videos, it's podcasts, and it's the 3D printer. Those are kind of like my three main things right now um so just trying to get as many interesting guests as i possibly can um and have as many like good conversations as i can to kind of like make this a necessary archive of like what what we do here at SLC and what it, what the human beings are like who
1: work here That's um, that's wonderful. That's my goal. Those are those are great goals and i i do i want to add one sort of personal passion project that <laughs> i have to say after our initial podcast conversation i enjoyed it so much i was like i wonder if i could start a podcast and just interview interesting people in my life yeah. and have it be a kind of archive of their lives and their stories and because um, I know some great people. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I, I so enjoyed that experience and um, seeing how you interview and the different ways you bring the conversation and the creativity that comes into that. That was super fun. So, I have to say that was something. It probably doesn't rise to the level of passion project because I didn't really do anything <laughs> with that thought. <laughs> that's but okay, though. you inspired me to think oh, more about great. that. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier than it's ever been to mm. get started. Mm-hmm. Um, the main thing you need, apart from uh, equipment, um, in in some cases you don't even need equipment like this, um, is uh, a media host, which is just where the information is stored. Um, but we use a, a, we've uh, we've found a, a free one, uh, so you don't have to pay anything, which oh, is that's awesome. That's nice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but that's awesome. That's great to hear. All right, so we're coming up on a holiday. What advice do you have for students who maybe don't have a positive familial framework in place during these holidays?
1: Mm. And they, they might be going home to... Maybe they're either going
0: home to something mm-hmm. that maybe they don't want to be going home to. Mm-hmm. Or they might not have that, that so-called home. Mm-hmm. And they might have to stay. I don't know if the SLC lets students stay here. Um, but I, I, and I ask this just because I'm thinking about it. Because mm. I remember when I had to go home, um, well, my father was an alcoholic. Mm. And so that's something I was going home to. Mm It's one of the reasons I loved college so much is because I was finally free Mm -hmm. and I got away. Mm -hmm. I imagine the same thing is true of students. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just think you're a very wise person. So hence why I'm asking for your Mm -hmm. advice.
1: You know, this reminds me of... um, So the writer, Ann Patchett, if I'm saying that correctly, who I believe is an alum, um, uh, there was... uh, there was a communication out to students that linked to an article she wrote. Yeah, because she, it was an article about when she was a student here. And I can't remember why, but for some reason she couldn't go home. Mm. And at that time, I think students could stay in the dorms more sort of regularly But there was no heat or anything like it was um, it was not a welcoming Mm -hmm. or really like safe, super safe (laughs) situation. And she ended up cooking her first Thanksgiving meal for her friends Mm. who were there were a few other students on campus. And actually, maybe some of them weren't even her friends. And she didn't have a lot to work with. And she ends up cooking this Thanksgiving meal. And she kind of um, talks about she writes about how she gathered the items that she needed and working with very kind of rustic and minimal um, tools of the trade, so to speak, to create a Thanksgiving meal Mm -hmm. and it comes together and it's really about how this kind of hodgepodge community comes together at this time. And it didn't look like what Thanksgiving was supposed to look like and yet it was wonderful. And so um, I would say that there's probably a lot of us out there that have thanksgiving thoughts or realities that don't look like the norm Mm -hmm. or don't look like what they think it's supposed to look like. And I think a lot of us have family dramas and things going on behind closed doors that you may not realize. And so, you know, in those situations really trying to, um, not, uh, punish yourself or, 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 um, be too harsh on your situation because it doesn't look like what Thanksgiving is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I, again, I think that's the reality for a lot of people. So then the question is, what can you do on that day or around that time that enriches you? Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not going to be a meal with your dysfunctional family, mm-hmm. um, what does it look like? Could it be um, using that time to like binge watch Mm -hmm. something that you've been putting on the back burner or otherwise pampering yourself or maybe being with in community with others that you truly enjoy being around. So there are different ways you can carve out, um, that time that still enables you to kind of recharge and, um, and cultivate a sense of nourishment and love, which is a lot of what Thanksgiving is about, but doing it in your way. Mm, That's a great answer. Um, Any
0: final thoughts that you think the listeners should hear? Should they come to the Learning Commons? How do they go to the Learning Commons? What do they do? Anything they should follow online,
1: social media-wise? Well, we're going to, we're we're kind of coming to the end of our formal programming for this semester, but we are going to have some study breaks coming up and opportunities to just hang out in the Learning Commons space. So um, look out for uh, our December newsletter that will have information on that. Um, that will also be on our website, which is slc.edu backslash LC, um, and we do have an Instagram account as well that will um, have information about that. But th- this is going to be, we're kind of moving into more of just like an informal chill out, you know, come check out the space, get some cookies, and hang out. Um, but of course, our tutoring and writing mentoring will go on throughout the rest of the semester. Right. But I just hope to see as many students there as possible as it makes sense for them. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for doing this podcast, Rochelle. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Thus concludes this episode of the Sarah Lawrence Library Podcast. Thank you very much for sharing this time with us. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you to Rochelle for sharing your mind with us and your insights. It's also greatly appreciated. Um, I'd like to encourage you to give the podcast a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Those reviews are essential in us climbing the podcast ranks and continuing to find our audience. Connect with us on social media at SLC Library on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And remember to check the library website where you can check your library account, reserve a study room, or book a consultation with one of our research librarians. Thank you once again, dear listener. It's always a pleasure joining you in this sonic space of Sarah Lawrence happiness (laughs) and growth and experience and learning. Uh, I I love doing this podcast and I love what it brings out in the people that I talk to. Uh, There's so many interesting staff. There's so many interesting students and look forward to getting more guests with you. Uh, there, There will be an episode. I plan on making an episode for the holiday break. Uh, So you can uh, expect an episode to come out that Friday um, as usual and continue until the end of the semester and just keep trying to find new and interesting voices to spotlight on this podcast. Thank you again. Until next time.